Again, I want to just give a massive welcome to each and every single one of you, and especially so, not that the rest of you are less important, but especially so if you're visiting uh, this morning for the dedication. Um, we just have, have loved getting to know Stephen Toledo over the last um, few months and last couple of years, really, and uh, they're just a joy to do life with. And so we just celebrate them today. We celebrate Luca. And are just so glad that you um, could be a part of today. I know that it will mean a lot to them um, that each and every single one of you are here this morning uh, being a part of what's taking place. We're going to, uh, just for a moment before we have tea and coffee and then some food, um, just to round off our celebrations today, we're just going to take a moment um, to gather around the Bible. I'm just going to teach a little bit from the Bible this morning. And we do this every week just for a moment. Because we don't believe that the Bible is some historical textbook that is irrelevant. We believe that the Bible is the living word of God. We believe it's our handbook for life. We believe that God um, continues to speak to us through his word. And so this morning, uh, we're just going to look at a couple of thoughts. And as I do, um, I want to ask a question that I want you to be thinking on rhetorically as we journey through some thoughts together. And it's simply this. What defines you? I want you to be thinking on that question as we just open up God's Word and look at some different things from the Bible this morning. I want you to be thinking on that thought. What defines you? And I say that because this morning it was a privilege to dedicate Luca and just to speak life over him and just to pray for him. Because the reality is as he grows up and makes his journey through life, there will be a lot of things, there will be a lot of people, there will be a lot of circumstances that try and dictate and determine who he is. There will be a lot of things that he journeys through in life that can try and define who he is as he makes his way in life. Now, when Luca was born in January, and that probably feels like quite a long time ago now after many sleepless nights, but when he was born in January, he became one of more than 8 billion people on planet Earth. And when you look at it that way, it's so easy to see how so many people can just feel like a number, can just feel like a statistic. Each and every single one of us in this room We are one of more than 8 billion people walking around planet Earth today, just living life. And it's so easy to be defined as a number. You know, as Luca grows up, he's going to be defined in one way or another as a number, as a code. You know, whenever you ring somebody, whenever you have to do a transaction, what are we so often? We're a policy number, right? We're, we're a code. We're a national insurance number. We're a driving license number. We're a passport number. We're a sort code. Whenever you ring up these banks or whatever, you're, what's the first question you ask? Your name? You ask, you know, your postcode? What's your, um, you know, policy number? All these kind of things. And these things, as you journey through life, if you were to note them all down, those things can define you in life your family name can define you both positively and negatively maybe you have a family name that you're proud of maybe you have a family name that you almost want to disassociate from but that family name can define who you are your family background where you were born can define who you are both positively and negatively your work The kind of work that you do. And you know this because when somebody asks you, oh, what do you do? And you tell them what you do, you can often see a reaction because they're defining you by the job that you do. Often when somebody says to me, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. They're like, oh, okay, Uh, take about 10 steps backwards and just avoid this guy. Um, So now I start saying, well, what do you think I do? And get many different answers. Never, ever a pastor. I don't know why that is. Never, ever does anyone guess that I'm a pastor. But the the work that we do can often be used to define us. The salary that we bring home. 
Our income level can be used to define us. Our possessions that we own can define us. Our position in life. Right, each of us have many different positions. If I think about who I am this morning, my position is that I'm a father, that I'm a son, that I'm a brother, that I'm a husband, that I'm a pastor, that I'm a friend, that I'm many different things. But here's what I want us all to understand. Those things tell me what I am. They don't tell me who I am. And I want you to see in your life this morning, in the time that we have together, that your life is more than just a number. Your life is defined by far more than where you're from or what you do. But it's actually what God as your creator, what he speaks over you, that ultimately defines who you are. So let me ask you again, what defines you? Or maybe a better way of asking the question would be this, what are you allowing to define who you are? To define means this, to state precisely the meaning of, to describe the nature, properties, or essential qualities of. In other words, when it comes to you and I as people, that question is often phrased as a question, and it's simply this, who am I? That's one of life's big questions for every single person. In one way or another, we are trying to answer, and we navigate through different things, we find different answers, and we change our answer again. But who actually am I? And the truth is, if you don't know the truth of who you are, or you don't know where to find the truth and source the truth of who you are, you will waste so much of your life running to all the wrong people and going to all the wrong places and trying to look in all the different things in order to answer that question, who am I? So who are you allowing to define who you are? Because maybe this morning you're looking in many wrong places. See, for some of you, when it comes to defining who you are, the thing that you look at is the rearview mirror of your life. You allow your past to define who you are. Not your present, you don't give much thought to your future because when you're besotted by the past, it's difficult to actually be in the present and actually look forward to the future life that you may have. And so for some of you, you spend the entirety of your life looking backwards at what was. Many of you, you define yourself by those things. Some of you, may have faced abuse in the background of your life. And as you look in the rearview mirror of your life, you see abuse that happened to you that you've allowed to define who you are today. Because of the abuse that took place in your past, you feel like you're insignificant. You feel a victim. You feel like you're deserving of a worse. And that plays itself out in today's life and the way that you live. For others of you, as you look at the rearview mirror of your life, it's not so much abuse, but it's failure. It's mistakes that you've made. We've all got mistakes, every single one of us, that as we look at the rearview mirror of our life, there's mistakes that are there. And so because of those mistakes that you've made, because of those failures that have been a part of your life, you've made the decision, you've defined yourself as somebody who would never understand what it is to have great relationships. You've limited yourself. You think, there's no way I could ever be a great parent. There's no way that I could ever be great in the work that I do. There's no way that I could ever have great relationships or great marriage or family, whatever it might be, because of the mistakes that you see in the rearview mirror of your life. And for others of you, it's abandonment that causes you and makes you define yourself as somebody who is worthless. As somebody, it plays itself out, but you're constantly insecure in your relationships, second-guessing what everybody else around you is doing. And so for many people, as they look at the past, they define themselves by the rearview mirror of their life. Now, for others of you, it's not so much the past, but it's the opinions of others. 
Now, I've got a megaphone here because how many of you know that the opinions of others can seem so loud in your life, right? It can seem like the opinions of others can drown out any good stuff that is actually in your mindset or in your thinking about who you are. And you've allowed the opinions of others to define who you are. For some of you, it's parents. Parents who you want to disassociate from. Parents who told you constantly you weren't good enough, you were a failure, you were this, you were that. And the opinions of others are looming large and sound very loud in your life. For others of you, you had good parents, you loved them, but they were just clumsy in the way that they communicated with you and you felt like you were never going to match up, you were never going to be good enough and you define yourself by the failures of how you feel you failed in the eyes of others. For others of you, it's a teacher or teachers and you had people who spoke stuff over your life. You had people who said you were never going to achieve. You had people who said that you were limited in a way that you were going to actually live out your life. And the opinions of others can seem so loud at times. For others, it's a spouse, an ex-spouse. Maybe it's a present spouse that causes you to feel so imperfect because they're constantly listing all of your flaws. And so the opinions of others can seem so loud. And for others of you, it's actually how you view yourself in the mirror. Now, I just need to add, this isn't my mirror. This is my teenage daughter's mirror, okay? That lights up where she doesn't make up. Just, just clarifying for a moment. But for some of you, when you look in the mirror of your life, it's not actually a, a reflection as it should be. It's almost like one of those mirrors in the fairground. You know what I'm talking about? Those, those magic mirror things. When you're looking, you're either like one foot tall or you're like 20 foot tall. You're either as skinny as a rake or as you're wide as a house. And you look and it gives a warped perception of who you really are. And some of you look in the mirror of your life, you look at yourself and you see a warped reflection of who you really are. You're your harshest critic. You're on this endless treadmill of comparison of what other people have got and what you don't have in this social media world of endless scrolling at what you have and they don't have and they have and you don't have and so on and so on and so on. And you feel insignificant as though you can't ever match up to what other people need you to be. In the Bible, there's a guy called Gideon. You can read about him in the book of Judges, chapter 6, who God comes to and says, I've got plans for your life. There's things that I want you to do for your life and through your life. And he just responds and says, no, not me. Because my family is the weakest in the whole of this area. And he actually, in some translations, says, I'm the runt of the litter. Some of you have felt like that your whole life. I'm the runt of the litter. I'm like almost the extra. I'm the leftover in my family or whatever it might be. And so when you look at yourself, you're your harshest critic. And the reality is, if you don't know who you are, then something or someone will always try to define it for you. That's why last night, there were endless amounts of people going out, getting completely off their face, having one night stands because they were trying to find some sense of worth and definition of who they are through broken relationships and escapism. That's why tomorrow morning there'll be endless people throwing themselves into their career and there's nothing wrong with good and prosperous careers, but they're trying to define themselves by their careers and find their identity in their careers. And too many people are living a substandard life because of who they think they are or who they believe they need to be. Jesus in the book of Matthew chapter 16 one day was talking with his friends and a narrative picks it up in verse 13 it says when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples who do people say the son of man is 
They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then Jesus posed this question of them. And so Jesus asked them, what are other people saying about me? And there's loads of answers that come back. The reality is that none of them were correct, because whenever you're looking for others to tell you who you are, all you'll often be left with is broken and wrong answers. You've got to know for yourself who you are. Not what others tell you that you are, not what circumstances would dictate or predict, but who you really are. Now, you may be sat there thinking, well, all right, but does it really matter? Like, you're going on and on about this and understanding who you are, but actually, does it matter? I believe it doesn't. Let me tell you why. Because what you allow to define you will determine how you live your life and the kind of life that you'll experience. That's how important it is. Let me say that again. What you allow to define you will determine how you live your life and the kind of life you'll experience. Proverbs 23 verse 7 put it this way. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, as a person thinks, so are they. This was written thousands of years ago and yet is being backed up every single day today by modern science and studies on the brain and thought patterns. The, the way that we think determines how we live. You will always live out of what you believe to be true. And so when you don't know who you are, you know what? You'll live your life in constant fear. If you don't know who you are, you'll live your life in constant insecurity of other people around you. You'll feel entrapped. You'll build this fake world that you build around yourself. You'll live a substandard life to the life that God has for you. Jesus knew who he was. He wasn't asking this question of his mates because he was insecure. You know, what are people saying about me? What are people saying? He wasn't in that place of insecurity. He just wanted to know what the word on the street was. Jesus knew who he was. And so it didn't matter what people said about him. It didn't matter that one day you read in the Gospels, he goes to his hometown and he's doing ministry and people begin to say, Aaron, isn't this Joseph's boy? Isn't this a carpenter's son? Isn't this a kid who went to school with my kids? Who does he think he is? It didn't matter what other people said about him because he knew who he was. It didn't matter his beginnings. But if you know the story of the gospel, if you know that God became flesh and dwelt amongst us, Jesus came and he, didn't, he wasn't born in a palace. He was placed in a multi-purpose feeding trough. That was his first place that he was put into, a multi-purpose feeding trough where loads of animals would eat out from. That was his beginnings. But none of that matters because he knew the truth of who he was. And so in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus knew who he was and he knew his purpose. Do you know who you are? Another guy by the name of John the Baptist, he was a guy called John who used to baptize a lot, so they gave him the nickname John the Baptist, very very clever. And so one moment in John chapter 1, we read of a time where people come to John and they'd seen him baptize people. They'd seen him talk about this coming Messiah. And they asked him, who are you? They were sent from the synagogue. They said, who, who are you? What are you about? We see this crowd that's gathering around you. Who actually are you? And John 1 verse 19, it says this. Now this is a testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? That, you? that we may be able to give an answer to those who sent us. Listen to this next question. 
What do you say about yourself? That's a question each and every single one of us needs to answer at one time or another. What do we say about ourselves? And John the Baptist said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. John knew who he was. And so when people came to him and said, are you this? Is this who you are? He said, I'm not. Some of you need to get to a place where you know what it is to say, that's not who I am. Or that's not who I am anymore. When the voice of condemnation comes of your past, you're able to say, that's not who I am anymore. I'm not a victim of my past or my circumstances. I am not what other people have spoken over me. I'm not who other people have defined me to be or determined me to be. I'm not limiting myself to the small thinking of others or to the, to the containment of my past. I am not defined by what is happening around me. What do you need to draw a line under today? And say, I'm not that anymore, in order that you can understand who you truly are. John the Baptist could only define who he truly was once he put away who he wasn't. And so then he says, I am the voice of a one crying out in the wilderness. You can only understand who you are when you know what God, your creator, speaks over you. Do you know, until then, you're wandering around life saying, who am I? Trying to define yourself through so many different things. But when you understand who God says you are, that's when you can begin to understand that for those who place their faith in Jesus and all that he's done for them, we can understand that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that we are accepted, that we are justified, that we are healed, that we have a purpose and a destiny. Who am I? I am who God says I am. Full stop. And it matters. Because what you allow to define you will determine how you live your life and the kind of life you'll experience. Here's what I've begun to discover doing life, but also working with a whole lot of people. When you understand what God says over your life, it causes you to live with so much security. Do you know, insecurity is plaguing the modern world. And it's not just teenagers scrolling through social media and having fallouts in the playground. This is affecting boardrooms. This is affecting marriages. This is affecting family get-together. There's so much insecurity within the lives of people because we don't actually understand who we are. When you understand who God says you are, you begin to walk with security. Here's an antidote to insecurity. Psalm 139, 13 to 18. It says, you made, this is speaking of God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Other translations say I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your workmanship is marvellous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of a womb. Thousands of years before scans were ever invented, you could have a scan of baby Luca. Thousands of years before that, here they were talking about the dark of a womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me Oh God. You see, some of you feel that God is just some religious being up there somewhere up in the clouds with all the fat angels playing on their harps up there somewhere. That's your view of God. Some of you think that he's this angry being who's just out to get you and to make your life a misery. The Bible reveals that he's a God of love who thinks about you. And not just thinks about humanity and mankind as a whole, those 8 billion people that we talked about, but he thinks about you. Elsewhere, the Bible says, what is man that you are mindful of them? 
That word for man in the original language wasn't just mankind. It was a man individual, a person individual. God thinks about you and loves you and has plans for you. Your thoughts about me, God, cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand on the earth. And when I wake up, you are still with me. This is speaking to every single one of us under the sound of my voice today. You matter to God. He planned for you. You were not an accident. See, some of you, the reason you walk with so much insecurity is because what people have spoken over you. We didn't want you. You were an accident. You weren't actually meant to be. And that's something you've carried your whole life. You need to hear the word of God speak over your life today. That God in heaven planned for you. He made you. He loves you. And he has a reason why you're alive. Acts 17 verse 26 says, From one man God made every nation of men. So many nations represented here today. God made every nation of men. That they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them. And one translation says, and the exact places where they would live. He's an intentional God. When you understand what God speaks over your life, you begin to walk with a sense of security. It also gives you a sense of purpose. Ephesians 2 verse 10 in the Bible says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That original word for workmanship, it means poem. You are God's poem. You are his masterpiece. You are one of creation made by the hand of God, created with reason and purpose. He planned for stuff to be doing in your life and he gave you the gifts to do those things that he's called you to do. God has a plan and a destiny, not just for Luca this morning, not just for me, but for every single one of us. God has made us and God has put us on this earth for a reason. When we know who God says we are, we walk with security, with purpose, but also with vision. You know, the Bible says that where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, mediocrity is accepted as a norm. When there is no vision, dreams die away. And some of you know the pain and the boredom of that today. Some of you are bored of life. Some of you, because you know what it's like, one day rolls into another day, that rolls into a week, that rolls into a month, that rolls into a year. And before you know it, you look back in the last five years, you feel like you've just been treading water. You feel like you've been existing, but not really living. There's no vision for your life. There's no vision for your future. That's what causes people to have midlife crisis, because there's no vision. That's what causes people to feel hopeless, because there's no vision. That's what causes people to go to extremes to try and find some sense of escapism away from their life because there's no vision or dream or future for their life. The Bible says that the problem is we have no vision. But God has created you for far more than just going through the motions. God has created you for far more than just a nine to five mundane routine of life and then just going for it on the weekend. God has designed you for a plan and a purpose and a destiny. The Bible says that God has plans for his people, plans of hope, plans of a great future. And today he offers you an invitation. He offers you a vision of our future that's not based on what people say, but on what he declares. He offers you a vision and a dream of relationships that are not based on the world's broken standards, but are something different, that are something real. And he offers you a vision for your life. Where you're not just going through the motions of life, but there's a reason why you get up every single morning. Amen. Who is defining who you are? Because when it's God and his word, you'll have 
security. You live with a purpose and you'll carry a vision for your future. Helen, can you just come out? We're going to pray just at a moment. But as we close, I believe that for some of you this morning, do you know what? You may have sat there and go, no, I don't believe any of that. For others of you, you may be intrigued. For others of you, you have come along and you're just kind of listening to what's going on. But I truly believe that God would have me say to you, for some of you, it's time to put away the past. That doesn't mean that we get over stuff in just a moment. That doesn't mean that there's not sometimes a process. But I believe that there's an invitation from God today to say, do you know what? I'm no longer going to define myself by the past. I'm no longer going to define myself by the things that have happened to me, the things that were spoken over me, the mistakes of my past. I'm going to put away the opinions of others. Now, I'm not saying don't ever listen to people. There's good people in your life. There's good people that you journey with. But those opinions that have tried to define you, those opinions that have caused you to live life in a way that isn't true to who God has called you to be. It's time to put those away. And for some of you, it's time to walk away from that warped mirror that has given you such a wrong view of who you truly are. And it's time to explore what God says about you. It's time to say, okay, if there's a God, if this creator is real, then what does he say about me? What has he got for my life? Because I am not those things, but I am made by design, born with a purpose. There's an offer of an abundant life this morning, full of vision where we get to serve the purposes of God in our own generation. I'm just going to invite you just to close your eyes just as we close this service down. There's one more thing I want to do and then we're going to have tea and coffee and some food in a moment. But before we do, I just want to give us one opportunity today because maybe you're here today and you say, well, I don't know, how do I even go about this? Listen, this is all about relationship with God made possible through the person of Jesus Christ. As I said a moment ago, you may have a a thought of who God is, this angry being up there somewhere in the sky. You may have this thought of who God is where you say, God, where were you when I went through that stuff? God, if you're real, why didn't you rescue me out of that? And you may have your own opinions of who God is. But I want to tell you today, God is a God of love. God is a God who rejoices over the creation that He has made, including you. And God wants a relationship with you today. Now, stuff got in the way of that. The Bible labels it sin, but the Bible also says that Jesus came to the earth. And that's what we remember and we celebrate at Christmas. But what we remember and celebrate at Easter as well is that not only did He come to the earth and share some amazing stories and do some amazing miracles, but history records and the Bible tells that He also died on a cross so that you could have relationship with God the Father. And so today, I want to just very simply offer you that invitation to say yeah I want to begin that relationship or maybe you used to know about this God but you've wandered away from him and today you have an opportunity to say I want to make a comeback I want to take those first tentative steps back to understanding who this God is so in this moment I want to just lead us in a prayer and I'm going to ask that everybody repeats this after me so that those saying it for the first time feel really comfortable in this moment let's just all pray this prayer Father God I believe that you made me and you have a plan and a purpose for me. I know you want a relationship with me. And I know that sin gets in the way of that. But I thank you that you sent Jesus to die in my place. And today, 
I know that I can be forgiven, set free, and begin a brand new life. I give you my life today and my future. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed in this place. And here's what I want to do. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. Please know I'm not going to bring anyone forward or make a show of you in this moment. I want to give an opportunity just to make a decision. And that decision, again, you may not understand everything overnight, but you're just pressing go on a relationship with God that will cause you to understand why you're alive. The fact that He has a plan for you and will give you an assurance of what happens to you the day that you breathe your final breath. So if you're in this place and you say, yeah, I want to begin that relationship, then here's what I want you to do. I'm going to count to three. There's nothing magical about that. That's just a point of connection. And when I get to three, I'm just going to ask that you just just slip your hand up and you can put it straight back down again. But we just want to give you this moment and this opportunity to respond to a relationship with God. So if that's you, just prepare your heart. Just get ready to respond. I promise you I won't embarrass you or pull you forward. But here's your moment. One, two, three. Just raise your hand if that's you and you want to respond. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? So yeah, that's me as well. I want to make a decision. Maybe for the first time we're coming back into relationship with God. Just giving you this moment today to press go on that relationship that will change your life forever. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this person responding to the gospel today. Father, I thank you for a brand new life for him. Father, I thank you that for each and every single one of us today, that we would put down the past, that we would put down the opinions of others, that we would put down our warped perceptions of who we are. And Father, that every single one of us would dare to open up the Bible and explore what do you speak over my life so that we can know your plans and your relationship with us. Father, just thank you one more time. Father, we just thank you for Luca's life and we just speak blessing over him and the family and the extended family. Father, thank you for this opportunity to dedicate him to you today and rejoice at your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.